Welcome everyone to the Fantasy and Betting Podcast presented by the 33rd Team. I am your host as always, Josh Larkey, and I am joined as always by my co-host Ryan Reynolds. Today we are going to go game by game, giving you all the fantasy and betting information that you need to know for week one. Without further ado, Ryan, I'm going to kick it to you. Let's let's get the, the first game started. Yeah, we want to give the good people a good overview for the full slate for week one. We're going to start with a good one with the 49ers at the Steelers. The Steelers are plus two right now. They were plus two a couple days ago. A little bit odd since Nick Bosa signs a contract extension and the line actually moves away from San Francisco. A little bit odd. Total's 41 and a half. That's pretty low. Uh, for me, the thing that I'm looking for most in this game is both defenses have a trench advantage in this contest. Um, with Bosa now, the 49ers have a significant one. And on the on the other side of the ball, where I think this is the key to the game, if Pittsburgh can frustrate Brock Purdy, I think they can steal a win with this one. Josh, what are you looking for here from a fantasy perspective? Well, I think in general, this this feels like a game to pivot off of in fantasy football. Outside of Christian McCaffrey, you are starting Christian McCaffrey. But it's kind of tough for me to see that any of these players outside of him really burning you, where, like you mentioned, it, it seems like both defenses are going to have the advantage here. I've got Najee Harris just outside my top 20. The, the Niners allowed 14 half PPR points a game to running backs last year. That's not the starting running back. That is the entire running back room, 14 fantasy points a game, which was the stingiest in the NFL last year. I have Debo, Ayuk, Deontay, all in the wide receiver 20-something range. My fantasy rankings are free on the 33rdteam.com. And then I have George Pickens as kind of a fade this week down at wide receiver 43. I'm concerned that Pittsburgh won't have enough time for the, to set up these deep shots. Pickens is not a guy that wins early in his routes. And I think there's a chance that these San Francisco receivers drop further ahead of Sunday as well. So this is a game where outside of McCaffrey, I'm just a little bit concerned. That's Jay Larky tweets on Twitter. Like Josh said, his fantasy rankings are already up on the site. We have written contributions from a number of members of our team on them. And I've recently picked a score for every game that's posted on the site right now. You can check that out as well if you like. Next, next up, Josh, Buccaneers at Vikings. Spread here's Vikings minus six. The total is 45 and a half. Now, I'm looking at two things here. I think this is Minnesota's, especially if you're picking in survivor pools, Minnesota's a scary team. They're, they're, they're a classic, oh, we're a major favorite at home, and we let down and make you sweat this one out to the final moments. I think there's some chance here. Rashad White's Rashad, check downs to Rashad White, something I'm looking forward here. Ben Wolby said Ben Baker Mayfield's the king of checkdowns to running backs. So I could see, I'm looking forward to that specifically from a fantasy perspective. What else do you have on this game, Josh? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one in terms of are the, are the Vikings as bad against the past as they were last year? I I'm inclined to bet on Chris Godwin in particular. I have him as my wide receiver 22 for fantasy this week. I have Evans a little bit lower. I think ultimately the, the Vikings aren't going to be able to cover the short intermediate area of the field very well. Godwin admirably caught about a hundred passes last year in only 15 games when he had a late season ACL tear the year before. I, I'm pretty bullish on him in general. And also this is just a really narrow target tree where we have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and then the wide receiver three might be their late round draft pick Trey Palmer at this point. So with Russell Gage out, it's looking extremely thin. The, the one thing that I'll say, I, I don't know if you have a comment on this. I have Alexander Madison as my running back 18 right now. feel a little queasy about that. Somebody I faded all season. 
I I'm very concerned about what his role is though, where he could either burn me or make me look really good. I, I think it goes one of two ways based on his usage. Do you have a lean on him? Like my, my, my gut feel based on research I've done would be that he has 15 carries and two targets and he's inefficient in this contest. Yeah. I, I don't have any pushback on that. I, I think, you know, the positive game script potentials, you know, good for Madison in certain scenarios, but otherwise I'm, I'm not really, you know, enthusiastic about him in general myself. Now, next up, Josh. Texans at Ravens. The Ravens are, mi- are minus ten favorites. They're the biggest favorite on the on the slate this week. Total game totals forty four points. Now we've been talking about this all off season. I was ambitious on the Texans offensive line. Now left guard Kenyon Green's out. They're down their top two centers. Right tackle Titus Howard's out. They still have Laramie Tunsil and newly acquired Shaq Mason as the foundations. But now all of a sudden they have three liabilities. That's not good for Baltimore. Baltimore's been one of the most consistent teams this century. And, you know, if you're a survivor pool player, you already know that there's no short things in survivor pools. But Baltimore is as close as it gets in that realm. Now, Josh, what are we thinking fantasy-wise for this contest? I I really like J.K. Dobbins in this matchup. I have him as my fantasy RB19. I have already bet his rush yards over. That has already moved as well in the betting markets. If you're interested in our prop bets, check out our free Discord. It's It's on my Twitter. There's a link tree, and you can click right into our free Discord that way, it's also linked in pretty much every article we have. So if you're reading my fantasy rankings, Ryan's in-depth game-by-game previews, uh, the, the projections article that our data scientist, Ben Wolby, puts out pretty much anywhere that you're looking on our site at this point, you'll have that nice, easy Discord link. Outside of Dobbins, I, I'm playing more of a wait-and-see approach with the, the pass catchers of the Ravens. Obviously, we're starting Mark Andrews at tight end, but... I'm a little bit concerned that this game is too easy for the Ravens. So I, I think that could potentially impact the the pass game a little bit where there's not really all that much reason for them to reveal what this new passing offense under Todd Monken looks like when they, when they're the, the biggest favorites on the slate and pretty much should steamroll the Texans. And then I think on the Texans end, I have Damian Pierce down at running back 24 which is crazy because if you asked me, is he going to get almost all the work? I would say, yes, I think his workload is going to be a top five, top 10 type workload among running backs, but very hard to see the touchdown upside here. Very difficult to see the efficiency given all the offensive line injuries, especially with how recent two of them were. So at this point, I wouldn't fault anyone for not starting a single Texan in fantasy this week. Next up, Josh. Divisional game in the AFC South, Jaguars at Colts. Colts are five-point underdogs at home, totals 45 and a half. You know, if you look at the Indianapolis Colts secondary, that's a very, very questionable group. So I think it's kind of obvious the Jaguars could completely smoke them and dominate this game potentially. But here's the thing. Divisional games mean familiarity. Trevor Lawrence has been very efficient against the Colts last year, but he didn't exactly blow the doors off of him offensively. So I think this game, I think there's a chance the Colts cover in some scenarios, keep it close, keep it muddy. But ultimately betting against Anthony Richardson in his debut, betting against Shane Steichen in his debut is reasonable. That said, if you're a survivor pool player, I think I'd save Jacksonville for a better matchup. I'd, I'd go with Baltimore, another one of the top options. Now, Josh, I'm pretty sure you're going to like the Jaguars offense here. What do you, what do you think in fantasy? Yeah, I have Calvin Ridley at wide receiver 14. I, I put him there to essentially let people know that no matter what your roster looks like, whatever your receiving room looks like, you need to be starting Calvin Ridley. 
The the other guy I'll mention is I have Travis Etienne at running back ten. He's as we we shouldn't overthink it. He's got the draft capital. We know the role is very secure. He was awesome last year. I know Next Gen Stats had him as the clear best pure runner in the NFL last year. This is the the workhorse back and what could be a blowout. Rookies often take more time to integrate as the season goes along. So could Tank Bigsby be the, the touchdown vulture or the short yardage back throughout this season? Maybe for week one, at least, I, I'm more inclined to think that the, the Jaguars don't take too many chances and they, they go in here fully ready to smoke a division rival. And then on the Colts side, this is another one where I don't think you need to start a single Colt in fantasy this week. Uh, people are wondering why I'm fading Michael Pittman. And it, it has nothing to do with Michael Pittman. It has everything to do with Anthony Richardson. And the, the betting markets haven't really released a straight pass yards prop for Richardson yet, but he's plus 165, which is a 37% implied chance to reach 225 pass yards. So the betting markets are pretty certain he's not getting there. The under on one and a half passing touchdowns, the implied percentage there is 70%. So there's almost no chance there's multiple passing touchdowns. This feels like a game where more than 20 pass attempts might be considered a, a success in terms of the, the pass rate in this matchup. So I think Pittman leads this team with probably six targets. It's not a game I'm interested in for fantasy from the Colts perspective. I, I really think the, the Jaguars score three, four touchdowns and the Colts potentially manage up to two total scores. Next up, Titans at Saints. Saints are three-point favorites. Game total here is 41. I think this game has some sneaky shootout potential here. I, I could see the total going over 50 points. I'm going to play it in DFS that way. Um, first off, Derrick Henry against uncommon opponents. He's one of those rare, unique athletes. No one that big should be as fast as he is. The Saints' rush defense last year was you know, not a great unit. They're a better pass defense. And on the other side of the ball, Josh, you know, it's Derek Carr's debut debut in New Orleans, but he could potentially shred the Titans' pass defense. Am I crazy for thinking that? So I want people to know that we're we're not a groupthink community. Before I knew that this was Ryan's sneaky shootout, I had already been really high for my fantasy rankings on a lot of these guys. So I think anytime you and I are going to independently align, that's yeah. a a pretty high confidence play for for the listeners out there. So. I have DeAndre Hopkins as my wide receiver 17 consensus on fantasy pros had him wide receiver 24. I have Michael Thomas as my wide receiver 28 consensus is wide receiver 39. I have bet on Michael Thomas's over in the props market for receiving yards. Ultimately, I, I think this is a, a game where we're starting Olave. Obviously I'm going to be starting Michael Thomas. I have Juwan Johnson as a borderline fantasy tight end one. So if you're interested in some floor, I think he's a, he's a pretty good option here when there's no Alvin Kamara. And we do think that, that both teams are going to be able to pass the ball pretty consistently. And I think the the only guy that I'm, I'm a little shaky on would be Traylon Burks. I would lean towards him being a flex play. However, I, I think it's it doesn't feel like he's someone that's going to burn you this week. I, I'd kind of play a wait and see where we know Hopkins is the number one in this past game. And to what extent that is, I kind of want to watch the game to find out. He, he was a 30% target share guy last year with Arizona. That could be a, a repeat for him this year. And if Burks is a an 18% target share guy, some offenses, that's great. The Titans, you need him to kind of be in the 22, 23% or above range for him to actually be making a difference in fantasy. 
a Strelark who tweets on Twitter. Now, for you DFS players, this next game's an important one to solve. Maybe the most critical game to solve. Bengals at Browns. Browns are two and a half point home underdogs. Game totals 47 and a half. That's the second highest on the slate. Um, you know, Jordan Vanek will write up this game. I know he has some enthusiastic enthusiastic stances here. I view this as a I call these variable games. When Aaron Rodgers was a Packer, the Vikings Packers were a similar situation. This game was 20 to 7. Wouldn't be a whole 20 to 17. Wouldn't be a huge surprise. But if this game went over 60 total points, I think that's very much on the table here, too. What are you looking for here in fantasy, Josh? So in this one, I have very little conviction. People are going to be like, oh, this is the game you're supposed to get right, like you said. And I think you and I are, are kind of struggling with what the, I guess, what the median outcome for this is. The The ceiling outcome is pretty immense. Yeah. I have Deshaun Watson as my quarterback 11, which ended up being a little bit above the quarterback 13 consensus. I think for anyone out there that, that's worried, if, if someone like Jared Goff's on waivers, I think he's going to have a slightly higher floor tonight than someone like Watson. So if that's what you're truly concerned about, then then sure go with a go with someone like a, a jared goff i would even say that russell wilson could be uh, another guy you could potentially start over watson if you're that concerned about week one the the main thing at this point is i want to see who the Bengals running back to is that's going to be a very very high priority uh bid for me on waivers if i i'm thinking it's chris evans if for some reason it looks like it's someone like chase brown then i think that's someone that we're really emptying 15, 20% of our fab on week one, even if it's clear that this is the, the, the guy taking a backseat to mix in just because of that contention upside should the, the aging oft injured Mixon uh, either struggle with rushing effectiveness like last year or go down with injury. And then the, the last thing I'll mention is a lot of people out there are wondering about start sits. A lot of people have Deshaun Watson. They're wondering, should I start him or sit him? Here's what the rest of my team looks like. I'm going for ceiling here. I'm going for floor here. Join our free Discord. Sunday mornings, we will be helping you with your start sits. It'll be Ryan and I. It'll be Jordan. It'll be several other members of our team. As Jaylarkey tweets, like Josh said, join our free Discord. If you have a waiver wire question, start sit question, we'll be in there. Also for next week, Nick Botterford's writing our waiver wire column this year. That will be coming out on Monday evenings. And Josh and I will be doing a waiver wire show on Tuesday afternoons. Now, next up, Josh, the ugliest game in the slate. This is the one that we should probably ignore. So naturally, it's the one I'm probably going to talk about the most. Cardinals at Commanders. Commanders are seven-point home favorites. Game total here is 38 points. Now, here, here's what I want to talk about, Josh. If Sam Howell plays well, the Washington defense can completely derail this game. They could blow the doors off the Cardinals. Everyone has them as the worst team in the league. They should. That's the reality of the situation. But I want, to, I want to paint a path to the Cardinals making this a close, uncomfortable game for the Commanders. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Josh Dobbs, that quarterback, conservative, muddy, ugly game plan, run-centric, quick passing game to mitigate Washington's pass rush. If Sam Howell, who's making his second NFL start, even though everyone loves him, Sam Howell, let's say he turns the ball over once or twice. That leads to a Cardinals, a short field score for the Cardinals, maybe a pick six. Generally speaking, when an ugly team like the Cardinals wins a game, they need one of three things, a pick six, a fumble return for a touchdown, or a special team score. If that happens, this is on upset alert. And if in that case, too, especially if it happens early where Arizona can play with the lead, they can go to that. They're not going to be forced to throw. They're not going to be forced to take chances. They can play that money game plan. And then it's on Sam Howell in a second start. Pressure's on him. So with that said, Josh, 
Do we like anything in fantasy in this kind of grotesque matchup? Grotesque. That, that, yeah. I think that's a good way to yeah. describe it. I'm not starting Cardinals this week. I have James Conner running back 27. I'd put him in like even a full tier below Damian Pierce when it comes to love the role. Yeah. Hate the environment. So yeah. I have Pierce at RB24. I have Connor even below that, where if, if you're concerned about the, the Texans offense against the Ravens, I'd be even more concerned in many ways about the what the Cardinals can manufacture. I have Marquise Brown at wide receiver 42. I think he could easily command 30% of the team's targets in this one, and I'm still just not interested. I think we need to see what this offense looks like. But if if they score two field goals in this contest, that, that wouldn't be particularly surprising to me. And then on the commander side, the, the guy I'm most excited about would be Brian Robinson. I have him running back 22. Those might remember earlier. I mentioned I have Najee Harris RB 21. Most people think of them as completely different players. They, they were drafted about six, seven rounds apart in fantasy. And I think this week they're pretty much the same guy. I've taken the Brian Robinson rush yards over. There's not necessarily all that much pass game upside for him in this one, but this, if, if there was ever a Brian Robinson game, th- this is the one. The guy who, as a rookie, gets shot in the preseason, plays 12 games, and averages over 17 carries a game. I, I think they're going to be a little less run-heavy under former Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, who's now the commander's offensive coordinator, but even still. If you like Brian Robinson, this is the week. I, I think 80 yards and a touchdown is a, a fairly realistic outcome for him here. Jay Larky tweets, I took that over too. Completely aligned with young Brian Robinson. Now, next up, Panthers at Falcons. Dome game, Falcons are three and a half point favorites. Game total is a, a meager 39 and a half. This is a sneaky important game in the NFC because if De- Desmond Ritter is like a legitimate NFL starting quarterback, the Falcons have an excellent roster and they could end up pushing for a playoff spot, if not winning that the, the very vulnerable NFC South. I The Panthers starts start tough this season their first six games of their toughest schedule stretch frank reich's taking over a new team bryce young's a rookie quarterback making his debut with a very you know we're talking what a bottom five supporting cast on offense at least with the skill position players offensive line could be fine but their skill group you know neither one of us are are in love with miles sanders either so we don't even we don't even like that that said i I, i'm gonna give you an angle here from an against the spread tournament here this game has been at minus three and a half consistently for weeks usually people want to take the hook in most situations but in a spot like this where i think the falcons outmatch the panthers from a talent perspective i'm going to take the falcons in tournaments because i think people are going to be more afraid of taking a favorite especially a volatile one like atlanta as with with the hook against them now josh the falcons have excellent skill position players i know there's one guy in particular that we're all you know clutching our you know grabbing our hearts over because he's not getting proper usage. What are we thinking here in fantasy? Guys, that is Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Nobody talks about the game of football like Ryan. Let, let, let's start with the, the Falcons. The, the player Ryan is hinting at is Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is potentially the best pure receiving tight end in the NFL today. Unfortunately, last year he was off and running 20 routes a game, sometimes fewer. The, the betting markets have Tyler Higby's receiving yards prop 10 yards higher than Kyle Pitts. So if that is any indication, when you look, when you think about pure talent versus the, the betting markets thinking Higby's going to out yard Pitts by about 33%, that, that sh- kind of shows you what, what the Falcons are working with in terms of game plans. It's going to be run heavy. 
I think the the Falcon I'm most excited about here is going to be Bijan Robinson. Everyone is starting him, so I'm not really telling you anything new. But what I'm kind of hinting at here is that I'm just not that excited about Kyle Pitts or receiver Drake London. I have London wide receiver 32. I do agree. I think the, the Falcons win this game potentially by up to a touchdown, but it, it's not necessarily going to be coming through the pass game. Desmond Ritter's pass yards prop for, for a quarterback with a great offensive line and three blue chip skill players in Bijan Pitts in London Ritter's prop of under 200 yards against a very beatable opponent should really give you pause when it comes to how do we frame the Falcons offense on the other side with the Panthers wide receiver health is a huge concern on top of it being Bryce Young's first NFL game. DJ shark hasn't practiced yet with a hamstring injury. Adam Thielen should play, but he's been limited all week with an ankle injury. I have miles Sanders at running back 25. Uh, he's another one I'm kind of interested in playing wait and see with him to figure out, does he get any type of receiving role? What's going on here? I, I think Sanders looks like a guy that's going to get you nine fantasy points this week where it's not burning you if you started him, but there's going to be a lot of other higher upside options that you probably either have on your bench or already drafted in fantasy. Shalarkey tweets on Twitter, please free Kyle Pitts. And seriously, if Desmond Ritter's throwing for around 200 yards a game and the Rams are on four, please send Matthew Stafford to Atlanta. Next up. Yeah, please do it. Please do it. Next up, Eagles at Patriots. You know, as a guy who's been betting on sports for over a decade, this is a, a red alert game in my head. You know, obviously the Eagles from a pure talent standpoint can blow the doors off New England, but they're on the road against Bill Belichick. Patriots are four-point underdogs at home. Game total is 45. Bill Belichick's had a full offseason to prepare for this game. You know, the talent, like I said, I, I can't get there. I would love to get there in tournaments especially. I can't get there because of the, the talent gap, but Belichick's probably going to make this game uncomfortable for the Eagles' offense. It's the Patriots' offense that I'm worried about here. What are you thinking about here, Josh? I don't think there's too many questionable start sits in fantasy. I think with the the Patriots, are starting Ramondre Stevenson. I have Ezekiel Elliott at RB44. I think he gets a little more work than people think. That's still, what is that, at best, like a desperation flex the, the thing I'm really interested in here is going to be the Eagles running backs. I, I probably won't be starting any of them in most of my fantasy leagues. And Ryan, this is off the show sheet, but we're going to go rapid fire. I'm going to give you my my rankings for the, the three main characters in this running back room. And I just want you to say higher or lower for where these guys finish in fantasy. I have DeAndre Swift, RB34. Lower. I have Rashad Penny, RB41. Higher. And then Gainwell at RB48. Higher. I think I did that backwards. By higher, I meant I think they're going to be above 48. For Swift, Mm -hmm. I think he's going to do better than 34. Okay, there we go. So Ryan, bullish on Swift at RB34. I That that was the one guy that I had the hardest time with. I I wouldn't really start Penny or Gainwell unless you have a crazy desperation, extreme zero RB build that has like an Alvin Kamara or something or Jonathan Taylor factored in there. So that, that's kind of how I'm viewing those guys. Swift, I think we'd both agree he's the home run swing where Swift's probably getting you between five and 20 fantasy points. And I don't want to pin it down any more than that. Just so the people are aware, we drafted an FFPC team last night where we have Brees Hall and Alvin Kamara and Rashad Penny might be getting the nod for a couple of weeks for that. Team. Unfortunately, no, yes. <laughs> no, hey, hey, listen, no, listen, if we can survive, we're, we're, we're dangerous. If we can survive yes. the first, the first few weeks. Now, one of the better games on the slate, highest game total, Dolphins Chargers, Charger three-point home favorites. Game total is 51. 
Real tough matchup for Miami, as we saw last year, and here's why. Brandon Staley, by design, he'll let you run the football against his defense. They give up the second most yards to running backs last year. That's literally they're doing that on purpose. But he wants you to he wants you to run the ball, especially against these elite offenses. He wants because he wants to prepare against the pass for you. Now Miami doesn't have a great offensive line. Raheem, Raheem Mostert, you know, is explosive, but he's getting old. Not exactly a bell cap Kelback. They can't really exploit the Chargers' weakness as much as a lot of other teams can. Where Tua Tagovailoa, good quarterback, not quite an elite quarterback, has wonderful weapons. Again. Tough, tough matchup for him against Brandon Staley's defense. I kind of lean towards this game being a, a sneaky under, not a big under, but a minor under with a win. What are you thinking here, Josh? Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. I love the way that he breaks down these matchups for the people. All his game previews are free on the 33team.com. I, I'll be starting Raheem Moster in fantasy. I have him yeah. as a mid-range RB2. I agree he's not like a, a bell cow, but I think he's going to get 15, 16 carries with a couple yeah. targets in the passing game. Yeah, this is, this is a weird one. So I have four receivers from this game. Obviously, Hill, Waddle, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. They're all in my top 21. Yet, I'm with you. I don't actually think this is necessarily going to be the, the shootout of all shootouts. I have Tua Tagovailoa down at quarterback 12. Consensus has him quarterback 9. I think we should be starting him this week, but it's actually kind of tough for me to balance his fantasy expectations where he's not going to be running. And yes, I think Hill and Waddle get there in fantasy, but because there's just nothing else in this pass game, I, I think Tua could give you 230 passing yards and two touchdowns, which isn't really what you want out of your fantasy quarterback. And that could still get Hill and Waddle there for fantasy football specifically. Remember, there's no more Mike Gesicki. It's, Durham Smythe as the tight end. That, that is a clear <laughs> downgrade in terms of receiving ability. We we both are very excited to see what the, their new pass catching rookie with speed, Devon A. Chain, can do. But again, it's week one. He recently had an AC joint sprain. He hasn't practiced much. He's going to play, but he could be a little more limited. So I, I think the, the Dolphins could be in a little bit of trouble here where Hill and Watt will get there. And then you go, oh, you know what? Tua and the rest of this offense underwhelmed a little bit for fantasy. That's Jay Larky tweets. You're the resident Chargers fan here, Josh. So let me let me give you two questions here about this game. Raheem Mostert, when we talked about it yesterday, is over under rushing yards was 54 and a half. Would you consider him an over or pass bet in prop markets? I, I hit the over, and that line has already moved above 54 and a half. So we're doing well, people. We're doing well. The the Chargers allowed over five and a half yards carried to running backs last year. That interior defensive line has improved slightly. Next up, are you playing Tua against the Chargers or Dak Prescott against the Giants? I have Dak Prescott ranked ahead of Tua Tagovailoa in fantasy this week. I, I think he has a great game against the Giants. Who will, we'll talk about that one shortly. I would too. I, I, I like that. I just wanted to make sure I was leaning in that same direction. I like, I like a little confirmation here and there, Josh. Now, next up, go. Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks are five and a half point favorites. Totals forty six. I think Seattle's going to blow the doors off the Rams, especially without Cooper Cup. You know, as we talked, we talked about Josh. 
Puka Nakua is a big buzz guy in our industry. I've watched his college tape. He couldn't get open against non-NFL cornerbacks. Kind of reminded me of Jalen Tolbert a bit in that sense, where it's like, okay, you were productive, but when you played Alabama, those guys were playing inside your shirt the whole game. I don't know how he's going to get separation here. I think Isaiah Hodgins is kind of the ceiling for Puka Nakua. Doesn't really speak, you know, star player to me. But on the other side of the ball, you know, we talked about this. Hilo brought this up months ago. Outside of Aaron Donald, if you look at the Rams – defense even if you're you're you know a, a big football fan you're not going to know who most of those guys are and that's not a good thing seattle's loaded on offense and here's the thing josh we bet on that we bet on them in every futures market in Mar- february march if we're doing that i'm taking the seahawks minus five and a half in tournaments this week um if if you know if this ends up being a money division game i can live with it now josh what do we like in fantasy yeah i was going to say this is another non-group think one where before I heard that that Ryan was taking the Seahawks minus five and a half, I had bet an alt spread of the Seahawks minus 13 and a half. I also think it's a blowout. I have Geno Smith as my fantasy quarterback seven on the week. And to add on to that Rams defense, eight of the Rams 11 starting defenders, eight of their 11 are either a rookie, undrafted, or taken round six or later in the NFL draft. Essentially, there's three guys that might be starting NFL caliber players. Put another way, it is Aaron Donald in a situation where I think they can actually kind of neutralize him considering there's really nothing else on that defense. Yeah. I, I think the, the Seahawks hang four touchdowns on the Rams. I, I have DK Metcalf as my wide receiver six this week. The Rams have small corners. I've, I've bet on Metcalf to hit 100 receiving yards at long odds. This is the game that I feel like I have the most strong takes on actually on the entire slate. I have Tyler Higby at tight end seven. He is going to potentially probably lead this team in targets. He quietly had 72 receptions last year. There's no Cooper cup. I I'm not even sure who is next in line for targets after Higby van Jefferson looks like the wide receiver one, but again, he's a, he's more of a field stretcher. Then we have, have Tutu Atwell who weighs less than I do. Everyone that's watching this live can see that I'm not a big man. And then we have Pukunakua who's, prop in the betting markets was 18 and a half receiving yards i think the rams are in for a world of trouble here and i am going to be starting pretty much every single seahawk that i possibly can this week in fantasy yeah i love that puka puka's betting total is 18 and a half yards here's the thing he has a path in an ambiguous wide receiver group or you know i won't deny that but he's a stash if you're starting him in week one Please read Josh's cheat sheet next offseason because you didn't draft well enough unless you're in a, a super flex league where you got to play – we got four flex spots. Otherwise, if you're like in a traditional three wide receivers kind of system, you should you should be waiting and seeing on, on Puka Nakua. Next up, Packers at Bears. Bears are minus one favorites at home. Totals 42. Packers have some wide receiver injuries with Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Uh, I think this game's this is a game I'm completely staying away from in betting markets. Those injuries, if those both of those guys mix, I mean the Packers offense is already volatile. It becomes like a, you know, I don't even know all of their wide receivers off the top of my head if both of those guys miss this contest. So I'll bet on the Bears in that scenario if I'm picking every game. Still gonna stay away from it in general though. Josh, do you like anything in fantasy football in this contest? This is another one I don't have uh, too many strong takes, more of a wait-and-see approach. I'd say the strongest take I have is a player I faded, you faded all offseason. I'm actually starting Aaron Jones this week. I have sure. him as my RB15. This feels like if he's going to have a good game, it's this week when Christian Watson 
hasn't been practicing with it with a hamstring injury. Romeo Dobbs hasn't been practicing with an injury that I forget what it was. Something else, lower body, I believe. It feels like this is going to be an offense that flows through Aaron Jones. Remember, guys, I know that this is Jordan Love's fourth season, but I believe he's attempted, what, like 80, 90 career NFL passes. We can treat him as almost a, a rookie quarterback in this matchup. That's JLark, your tweets on Twitter. Next up, another divisional game, Raiders at Broncos. Broncos are three-and-a-half-point home favorites. Game total is 44. Oh, man, this is a tough one because, as you know, Josh, I've been the enemy of Raider Nation, Raider Nation all offseason. You've been right there with me. Daniel Raz has been with us on that. That said, I think this is a sneaky spot for them, especially with, like, there's there appears to be drama going on with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, which, you know, I don't blame Sean Payton on this front, but if the Raiders are going to, the Raiders have a brutal opening schedule this season, their first four games. If they're going to win one, I think this is their best shot. If that happens, it comes to their pass rush, their edge duo of Max Crosby and Tyree Wilson. Chandler Jones might be missing this contest, a little uncertainty there, but ultimately, long term, we're thinking Russell Wilson has a bit of a bounce back season this year, right, Josh? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I don't think we need to talk about the Raiders for fantasy. We were starting their, their two studs and nobody else. Right. Uh, on the, the Broncos side, I decided not to take a stance on their running back room this week. You can call me a coward. That's fine. My DMs are open. I am happy to hear it. I have Javante Williams at RB32, Samaje Piran at RB33. I I have a hard time knowing how that split's going to look in week one, where Javante's been a committee back in college in the NFL. He's been very talented per carry. We saw Samaje Piran have kind of a weird breakout season last year with Mixon struggling. I think it's going to be a fairly run heavy offense. I live in Denver. The, the drum beat from every beat reporter has been that even though this looks like a, a team that should pass a lot, they're going to be very, very run heavy. We have blocking tight end Adam Troutman. That's one of Sean Payton's guys that he brought in. I think it's, it's going to be one of those weird teams where the personnel and the game plans don't always match up, but that I have enough faith in Sean Payton to design an offense that's significantly more effective than the one that scored the fewest points in the NFL last year under Nathaniel Hackett. Jerry, Jerry Judy's probably going to play. Actually, he started practicing in a limited wow. fashion on Wednesday this week. So uh, all the, the hamstring scares, I would say at worst, he starts week two. And I think at this point I'd say there's a 60% chance, maybe a little higher that he even suits up this week. I'd rank the, the receivers, Judy Sutton Mims. I don't think that's surprising anybody. I have Jerry Judy right now at wide receiver 30. I may move him up a little bit. The concern is if I knew he was a full go, he, he'd potentially crack my top 12 against the Raiders. The The one fear is that he only plays 60, 70, 80% of the snaps where this is a game the Broncos know they can win and they don't want Judy to have a re-injury. I have Cortland Sutton kind of at the borderline wide receiver 36. I, I don't, I wouldn't talk someone out of starting him but it's not someone that I'm necessarily enthusiastic about. And then I would comfortably sit Marvin Mims should Jerry Judy play this week. That's trailer. Arky tweets. Make sure to check out his fantasy rankings this week. Next up Sunday night football, the Cowboys at the New York football giants spread <laughs> giants plus three and a half total 46 points. I Dallas has had the Giants number for years. I believe it's I think the Giants have beaten them once since 2017 off the top of my head. Hasn't been pretty. Dallas has destroyed them in a number of those contests. <laughs> but the, the Giants are getting better. They're well coached. Daniel Jones showed that he can be an NFL starting quarterback last year. They they they're supported him better this offseason, bringing in Darren Waller specifically. 
I think the Giants can give Dallas a game here. I'm worried about the Cowboys' pass rush specifically and, and their cornerback duo of Stephon Gilmore and Trayvon Diggs, which I seem, I apparently am in love with them. I talk about them every week now. But three and a half, I haven't decided if I'm going to play them in tournaments this week, but they're at least on my radar. They're at least in my pool on the fence, though. I'll, I'll drop it in Discord if I ended up playing them in tournaments. Now, Josh, fantasy football-wise, you already said you like Dak Prescott more than Tua Tagliavoa this week. What else you got here? Uh, I have Daniel Jones at quarterback 14. This is someone we both like this week. I don't think this is necessarily the the game to start him. I wouldn't fault anyone for starting him. QB 14 is kind of my way of saying like, hey, uh, that might be the highest ranked quarterback on your fantasy roster. And I'm not going to be like, guys, you're going to lose your week. The like, uh, I'll give an example. So Anthony Richardson is someone that people were kind of drafting on the, the quarterback 12, quarterback 10 sort of borderline. I have Richardson down at quarterback 20 this week for fantasy. That is my way of saying this is not someone that you should be starting. I know some people ask me about Kenny Pickett. I have Pickett down at quarterback 28 against the Niners. That is, that is my way of saying these are not quarterbacks to start. So Jones at quarterback 14, not someone that I'm trying to play or go out of my way to, but uh, I think he, he probably finishes somewhere between quarterback 10 and quarterback 16 on the week. I just don't quite see the massive upside. I think Saquon Barkley and Darren Waller are really the only Giants I'm trying to start. One thing that I'm trying to figure out is Brandon Cooks. He he was the big new addition on offense this year for the Cowboys. I have him at wide receiver 31. The Giants have two very, very fast corners in Adoree Jackson and then rookie Deontay Banks. But again, it's rookie Deontay Banks. If they're they're ever playing in man coverage, it's most likely that Adoree Jackson's on CeeDee Lamb. And the rookie Deontay Banks is on the speedy veteran Cooks. I think Cooks is kind of live to break a big one in this one, but I'm I'm just not quite sure how everything shakes out with Lamb, Cooks, Gallup in terms of what those target shares come out to be. Does does that feel about right for Cooks? Is he sort of someone that you're expecting to have a pretty decent week one role? Yeah, um, he's one of the reasons I'm bullish on Dallas in general because he brings that lid lifting skill set. And here's the other thing: uh, Wink Martindale brings heat. That means yeah. You know, especially if it's Trayvon Diggs on well, actually never mind, that's the wrong wrong team. But especially <laughs> if Brand, if Brandon Cooks is in a one on one situation downfield, he could he could get there on one play. I'm definitely gonna play him in showdown. Depends on my team in season long. And you know, also for the people here, just a reminder, Josh was telling you to draft Darren Waller in the seventh round all off season. After one preseason game with Daniel Jones, you couldn't get him <laughs> couldn't get him after the fifth anymore. Josh knows his business. Now, Josh. Final game on the slate, Monday night football. Bills at Jets. Here's the thing, Josh. People think like they're contrarian with thinking the Jets are going to be bad. I got a secret for you. Everyone that I see speak about this team pretty much thinks they're going to fail and that Aaron Rodgers sucks, which is preposterous to me. You know, maybe he falls off a cliff. He's going to be 40 years old later in this year. It's certainly possible. But, you know, bad Aaron Rodgers is better than Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White. And in this particular game where the Jets are two and a half point home underdogs with a 46 game total, if the Jets had Aaron Rodgers of last year, just a competent, you know, solid quarterback that's not going to, that can actually orchestrate some scoring drives, they beat Buffalo once. I think they would have beaten them twice. So I lean Jets here in a close game. I think it'll be more low, low scoring than not. What are you thinking here, Josh? Yeah, this is a game that I think is going to be lower scoring too. Another one where, I release my fantasy rankings. I start to read some of Ryan's content and we're aligned. 
So that that's always nice when we're independently arriving yep. at a similar conclusion. I have Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook at RB29 and RB30. This is another one where I'm kind of like, guys, it's it's probably a situation to monitor. I wouldn't fault anyone for starting either of them. I'm going to be starting some of them because I am generally a more wide receiver heavy drafter, and I don't think it's bad yeah. to start Brees Hall or Dalvin Cook. I just think for anyone that, that drafts a more balanced roster or running backs early, you probably have two better options than those guys this week. I have James Cook actually right next to them, right behind him at RB31. The, the Jets defense is terrifying. I, I think James Cook builds upon an underwhelming rookie season and has a much better year this year. Does that help him in fantasy? It, yes, it helps him. I'm not quite sure, though. If like he, he had such a long way to go that he can have a much better season than last year and still not be an every-week RB2. So I'm, I'm really focusing in at this point on Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Garrett Wilson as the main characters. I think Gabe Davis is a, a fun flex in your deep leagues. He's not really someone that I'm, I'm clamoring to start this week. So that, that's sort of how I'm viewing Bill's Jets at this point. And guys, you might have heard that Ryan's trying out some accents. He's working on his hosting. Please give him <laughs> feedback, DM him, comment at him at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Tell him what you think of the other Ryan Reynolds in Deadpool, what you think of the other Ryan Reynolds with his soccer team management, and uh, give him some feedback on the accents. He's been working on a lot of them. And I think right now he's probably at like a 60% hit rate. I'd say we've had more good than bad. So we're, we're trending up. We had the the botched Trey McBride one oh, yeah. a few weeks ago. And I think you've recovered quite nicely. I have my moments, Josh. And, you know, I got to be honest with you guys. Based on the DMs I've gotten about having the name Ryan Reynolds, I hope that dude has a full team, a full security team around him at all times. Just wild, <laughs> wild stuff that I can't even say in public. Now, Josh, let's segue into some player predictions. We're going to go a bit, bit rapid fire here. Who do you think leads the league in passing touchdowns? I'm going to be a, a homer. I, I grew up in San Diego. Uh, like the the desperation, the the desperate guy that I am. It's like the the girl leaves you and you're just begging your dream girl to return. I have followed the Chargers to Los Angeles and I still root for them because I am just so immensely confident in the talent of Justin Herbert. He's a joy to watch. I think he hangs 45 touchdowns this year. Who do you have? I love it. I love it. I love it. Mike Tannenbaum likes Josh, Justin Herbert to win the MVP. And if Justin Herbert hangs 45 touchdowns, Josh, I hope you have an MVP bet on him as we speak. Now, next up for me, I'm a Joe Burrow guy this year. I think it's his time. I think Orlando Brown signing gives the Rams a top 10 offensive line. It reminds me of when the Rams signed Andrew Whitworth. I think he makes the left tackle and right tackle position better. You know, and the other thing is, I think this is just based on finances here. I think this is the best supporting cast on offense Joe Burrow's ever going to have for the rest of his career. I think he leads the league in passing touchdowns. I, I, I was going to say, I, I think we could actually just apply that to our friend Justin Herbert. I think yeah. we're kind of witnessing a unique season where Herbert and Burrow play with the best supporting cast of their career. And this might be kind of the, the most fun fantasy seasons that we get out of these guys. I 100% agree. Herbert's literally in the same position. I actually think his supporting cast might even be a little bit better. Passing yards, what do you got? I mean, I I bet on Justin Herbert in a multiple of ways here, and this is another one. I I think Justin Herbert crosses the the 5,000-yard threshold. He had over 4,700 last year. 
when the top two target earners on the season ended up being Austin Eckler and then their wide receiver three, Josh Palmer. Where, where are you going with this one? You know, you convinced me throughout the offseason. I'm with Herbert, too. Uh, my mind hasn't changed very often, but you've made some very good points. I have a ton of Herbert in, in best ball and season long. I have him there, too. Next up, who leads the league in rushing yards, Josh? So we, we talked about this a couple of days ago. I really wanted to go Bijan Robinson. That's fun. That makes for good radio on the podcast. Talking about the rookie. Unfortunately, I view Bijan Robinson as, I think he could have anywhere from 225 to 300 carries. And that, that range is scary. So I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. I, I think he's going to have 300 efficient carries like usual. And I, I think the, the rushing yards leader this year is not necessarily as high as past years. I think Chubb can win this with about 1,500. Who do you have here? Yeah, I mean, for me, I can't tell you twice in a row. That would be boring. The people don't want that. So I'm going <laughs> to I'm I'm give you a spicy one, which I don't normally do, guys. I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker. I think, I think he's going to be the guy in Seattle. I think that's how Pete Carroll operates. He did it with Chris Carson. He did it with Rashad Penny last year. I think they're in a great spot. I think Walker's going to get off to a great start this week. Going to have him in, in my you know DK lineup. It's going to be overweight on him. I would take Chubb if you didn't take Chubb, but I'll, I'll go with Kenneth Walker. Next up, rushing touchdowns. What do you got, Josh? So I, I thought Chubb might be the – he's probably the best pick, but I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. It's another one where even though we both have concerns about the offensive line, there's concerns about his age, he's really the the only running back I can think of in the NFL where you get near the goal line and you just know that it's going to him. So I, I think uh, after a couple years break, he once again leads the league in touchdowns. What do you have here? I like that. I'm going to go back to being boring. Nick Chubb for me. Nothing fancy. Nothing much <laughs> to say there. Moving on. Receptions, Josh. Who do you got? So uh, I'm going to plug some stuff we've done in the past. We we put out a, an article on the 33rd team uh, a couple weeks back about the the most receptions market. We we both had this guy pinpointed as the obvious guy to bet on at 18 to 1 odds. A week later, he was all the way up to 12 to 1. It's our coworker, actually. He does a show for the 33rd team with his brother, Equinemius St. Brown. I am, of course, talking about Amon Ross St. Brown. Mr. Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. Where are you going to go? Are you going to bet against our coworker? Or are you uh, siding with me here as well? Absolutely not. I bet him on receptions. I also did an offensive player of the year bet on him at 35 to 1. Daniel Raz actually got him at a better, uh, better odds for receptions earlier in the offseason than us. I mean, mm -hmm. here's the thing, Josh. We may never get a chance to work with a guy, work at the same company with a guy who literally has a shot to win both of these, receptions leader and offensive player of the year. How could either of us resist a, something like that, Josh? Seriously. Moving on, the who leads the league in receiving yards? Who do you got, Josh? I, I've, I've gone back and forth on this one. Earlier in the offseason, I said, I think Jamar Chase has a shot to be the first receiver ever to get 2,000 receiving yards. I certainly hope but so. I, I we both hope so. I don't think it happens. That's that's a kind of a, a long shot wish casting. I think this is Tyreek Hill's year. He had over 1,700 receiving yards last year in games that Tua Tagovailoa started. Tyreek led the NFL actually in receiving yards a game. I think Tua stays a little healthier. He's got the new helmet. He's been doing jujitsu, which I think is very cool to work on how he takes contact and how he falls after contact. I, I think Hill sneaks this one. Love it. 
I'm actually a little jealous of you of Hill. I went with Justin Jefferson. Um, I don't think he's going to have 1,800 yards receiving again. I think it's going to be more like 1,600. I think he's going to just eke out against Hill and Jamar Chase, but I went with the chalk there, Josh. Now for receiving touchdowns, last last one of these. Actually, no, it's not the last one of these. Last one of these that involves offense. Who do you got for receiving touchdowns? I'm going to be a very good podcast co-host, and I'm not going to say anything here. I'm just going to pass to you because we we are aligned here, and I, I want you to gush about the the player that you've can you convinced me to start taking at the 101 in fantasy yeah i mean jamar chase missed five games last year but he led the league in targets per game again if i think it's joe burrow's year i obviously think it's jamar chase's year i bet on him to win offensive player of the year i also bid in a bet an awards market parlay for burrow to win mvp and chase to win offensive player of the year if burrow is the mvp i don't know how that happens without chase being the top receiver in the league so mm-hmm. that might still be out there on FanDuel at 50 to 1. Mathematically, that's yes. not wonderful, but since it's correlated, I love it. You know, and you know, we talked about this with Liam months ago. I think Chase has the best weekly ceiling. You know, he's the guy who can go off for 250 and three scores. Him and Tyreek Hill, I think, have the highest weekly ceiling. So I think this, I think this is the Bengals' year on offense. Last stop defense, Josh, who leads the league in sacks. Yeah, you're you're trying to get me to talk about some defense for the people. <laughs> I I still legally can't watch NFL games because I have an analytics background, so that would introduce bias in my process. But I, I scanned a few stat sheets and I saw that Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns has 16 sacks in each of the past two seasons. We now have Zadarius Smith opposite him uh, on the edge, another star player. The, the Browns also gave a really, really large multi-year contract to Dalvin Tomlinson, who's a very, very good interior defensive lineman. And one thing we've talked about before is that sacks are a product of a few things. One of them, obviously, is going to be that the quarterbacks you face. Another one's going to be just the individual player talent. And then another factor is the surrounding player talent, because I think we both agree Aaron Donald has a down year this year in terms of stats. He may be the same uh, great player, but when you're surrounded by really really unproven or just bad football players around you that affects you and i think miles garrett playing with a very very strong sporting cast sneaks it this year and i think he hits 18 19 sacks and takes the title who do you have here josh if if you keep doing stuff like this we're gonna be talking about defense more often pal now for (laughs) me i've been a micah parsons guy the last few years his his defensive player of the year track and premium pass rushers on on contending teams often win that award he's been on the the tj watt track where watt was in the thick of it two years in a row maybe should have won it the second year and then won it the third time i think parsed in the same direction i think the cowboys are going to be a competitive team maybe the nfc's number one seed and he's just an absolute freak athlete that they're going to have rushed the passer more this year instead of mixing them between off-ball linebacker and pass rusher now josh we cover a lot of ground here closes out with a bold prediction for this season The Indianapolis Colts, based on point differential and their schedule, were 32nd in NFL teams last year by SRS, or Simple Rating System. It's uh, a stat that I like from Pro Football Reference. So that's essentially saying the Colts were the worst team in the NFL last year. I think there's reason to believe this Colts roster could actually be worse this year. They're starting an inexperienced rookie quarterback who completed under 54% of his passes last year. One of his strengths is mobility. Another strength is his sack avoidance. I think those are going to help him. But at the same time, we don't know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. This is an ankle injury that's gone on for over nine months at this point. 
when it was some kind of ankle sprain originally. That's highly concerning. Taylor's just one of many players. There's a big disconnect between the front office and what their owner, Jim Ursay, is saying and what it seems like the players are thinking. I, I bet on the Colts at 14 to 1 odds to land the first overall pick in next year's draft. And I, I think that, that they ultimately get it, which would be extremely fun chaos when you have number four overall pick, Anthony Richardson, and then you are in a spot to potentially land the, the next Patrick Mahomes-type quarterback in Caleb Williams. 